Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. Here we go. The end of another incredibly consequential week uh, in Georgia and in Washington uh, uh, awaits us our conversation today on the show, the analysis by our panel on exactly everything that's gone down. And I want to get right to that panel because we have a lot to talk about on the show today. This is an incredibly consequential day, too, for my great colleague, Jim Galloway, who has been with this show from the very beginning, seven years ago. Uh, Jim Galloway's been on the show as long as I have. Thank goodness he will continue to uh, be on the show, be a regular. But, Jim, you end today a career of, what, 41 years at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and you don't look a day older than you did, I'm sure, when you first started. You know, uh, Mike Lukovich uh, uh, gave me a nice little cartoon of of and and and, uh, and it's an exact likeness. I, I just wish he would have used the me from 1980. <laughs> Is it? Hey, can I ask you a question? How personal and private do you consider that uh, caricature of you to be? Because I'll bet you our listeners would. Would you be oh, willing I'll to put share a, a yeah, picture yeah. of it's, it? It's, it? Actually, oh, yeah. if, 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 look, it's it's over my shoulder right now. I don't, you, you can't you can't quite see it, but. Uh, we would I'll, love I'll, to be I'll, able I'll to send, share it. Yeah, I'll send. I'll I'll I'll, I'll send Sam a, uh, a text of it. Thank you very very much. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about your career a bit later in the show, and I know you're filing your final column for the AJC uh, today. Very quickly, what's it about? What are you writing on today? Uh it's 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 hard. It's a little personal, but uh, you, you can't walk away from what happened at the U.S. Capitol. You just can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Um, all right. We we will uh, probably talk just a bit about that during the show today with the rest of our panel as well. Um, and that includes State Representative Mary Margaret Oliver, Democrat from Decatur. Mary Margaret, you're back in session. I hope. How are you feeling about the protocols down there? I know you're all masked. I know you're keeping socially distanced. I know the speaker has a requirement for having tests, what, twice a week? How secure do you feel down there right now? Good morning. We've uh, completed four days. We've done no harm, and we have honored Jim Galloway. <laughs> so it's been a good week. Um, the Georgia Tech testing program is, is being implemented very strongly by the speaker's mandate. And I found compliance thus far on mask wearing uh, much more consistent than it was in June. That's very heartening. Uh, you know, there's one room in the Capitol where it's not a public room, the ante room, the coffee room. Uh, that's the only place I've seen uh, people not wearing masks, only in that little room. So we've got good compliance. We've got good testing. Um, since I haven't been told that I uh, was measured positive since yesterday morning by 7 this morning, I think I'm good this week. I'm very glad. I'm very, very glad to hear that. I'm also awfully glad to hear that this has it wearing a mask, despite the partisan tensions under the gold dome, has not become a political issue among the Republicans and Democrats down there. We're also joined today by the former attorney general of the state of Georgia, Sam Olins, now a partner with Denton's, the world's largest law firm. Sam, how are you doing these days? Doing great, Phil. Pleasure to be with you today. Um, and Michael Thurman, the DeKalb County CEO, is with us. And and Mike Thurman, I got a news release from the DeKalb Department of Public Health yesterday announcing that you um, are going to uh, get your shot in the arm uh, for COVID, uh, the COVID vaccine today. Are you uh, apprehensive? You're looking forward to it? No, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully it will encourage more of our citizens when the opportunity presents itself uh, to go ahead and get the shot. And uh, I'm just proud to be working with the Board of Health, uh, Dr. Ford, under difficult circumstances. Even more delighted that uh, President-elect Biden is going to roll out a more robust uh, test and vaccination plan nationally. 
that I hope would expedite the process for others. Um, I mentioned on the show on, uh, the other day that I was able to get a vaccine on uh, Tuesday morning, and uh, a number of you have asked me how I was able to do that. Uh, I simply learned through reading the news that DeKalb County, where I live, was offering vaccinations uh, to people over 65, which I am. And I just started going on the website and refreshing over and over and over again until a, um, an appointment popped out. It, up, it turned out to be an IT fluke. It was for 5.30 in the morning, which seemed odd to me. Uh, it turned out they didn't really start until 8.30, but they allowed me to go ahead and get vaccinated, even though I was, and thankfully, I guess, because I sat in the Brand Smart parking lot for four and a half hours. So for those of you who are wondering, how do you do this? Just keep track of what your county is doing. Keep looking at the state DPH website. Keep hoping that they'll open up more and more reservations. And as long as you meet that over 65 qualification, uh, in addition to all the other uh, public health uh, workers, essential workers, uh, I, I wish you well. I hope you all get it uh, very soon. All right, um, Jim Galloway, let's start. You know, I, it's the campaigning these days is a never-ending cycle. There is no longer any such thing as a start to a political campaign season, I think it's fair to say. Um, people are campaigning all the time for the next election. And so with that in mind, Jim, I wonder if it's fair enough to say that in some ways when Governor Kemp gave his State of the State speech yesterday, he was setting a tone that he hopes will put him in a good position in a difficult time to run for re-election. And here's what you all said about that in the um, jolt yesterday, and I wouldn't be surprised if you wrote that. Governor Brian Kemp has taken the road less traveled by his fellow Republicans across the country. He has leaned into some of the most conservative choices any state leader has made, including opening the state up first during COVID and signing one of the nation's most restrictive abortion measures. But he also went up against President Donald Trump in 2020, drawing Trump's most vicious attacks in the aftermath of November's election and standing firm. Now the governor heads into an election cycle with multiple Trump-aligned Republicans eyeing him for a primary, but also looking toward a general election in a fast-changing state against likely foe and National Democrat heroine Stacey Abrams. Um, so, Jim, uh, talk about that a little bit and how it was reflected in the governor's comments in the state of the state. Yeah, look, I think I think you can can look at two two Republicans, Liz Cheney in Washington and Brian Kemp in Georgia. And and see the glimmers of a a post-Trump Republican Party. Uh, uh, Kemp was very very uh, he he emphasized uh, an increase in in education spending. Uh, I, uh, Mary Market can tell us how how real and how effective that's going to be. Uh, but that 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 is an issue that will go down well in the suburbs. Uh, he specifically uh, cited uh, the case uh, the, the 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 slaying of Ahmaud Arbery. And the need to go after uh, Georgia's citizens' arrest law. Uh, it was uh, he, you know, they, he, he he still waved the conservative the conservative uh, flag on 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 some issues like like the pandemic. I mean, you know, there was a line in 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 his speech that said, uh, you know, this isn't going to be fixed by the government; it's going to be fixed by communities. Uh, which you know you, you you he could he could get some criticism from that because it kind of implies a uh, of a a, a laissez faire attitude toward a virus. But uh, and and but most interestingly, he 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 had a very quick line there conspir uh, uh, condemning the conspiracy theories that were that were circulating around the presidential election, and I I just thought that was that 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 to me was was the breach. <laughs> Um, Mary Margaret, uh, uh, you were, of course, at the Capitol for the speech. Your new minority leader, uh, James Beverly of Macon, uh, was asked by a Journal Constitution reporter whether he thought the governor was going to be more conciliatory. Even though the speech reached out the way it did, Beverly said, no, no, I do not. His policies have shown who he is. What did you think of the speech? I thought it was one of the better, if not the best, speech I've seen him give. It, it was, uh, he felt, I felt very authentic to me. I thought that his recognition of Kathleen Toomey, who got a standing ovation probably longer than any other ovation, was sincere. I think those of us that know how hard uh, what they've been trying to do, you know, steps forward, steps back, uh, some supported, some not supported, 
uh, I had a little bit of sympathy for him, his authentic response to how he is, he personally is trying to address uh, the pandemic and the difficulties. I thought that his, the way he talked about uh, the Amman Barry case was authentic. I think that last year we had a bipartisan consensus on repealing citizen's arrest, and I think that it's come together uh, for him to take a lead on it this year is very, uh, very positive. I like the way he talked about that. Uh, I think that when he got into some of the specifics, his speech was more specific and less about message yesterday, uh, and I look forward to learning more about his budget, and we can talk more about that if you'd like in a little bit. I thought he did fine. I thought he was honest and authentic when he talked about the pandemic, the conspiracy theories, and the Amon Berry case. Uh, Mike Thurman, uh, there were some who noted that when the governor talked about uh, the Stand Your Ground law, um, uh, that, um, uh, our, I'm sorry, the citizen's arrest law, that um, he didn't say he would ag- agree to with a repeal of the law. Right. He just said he wanted to, to tinker with it. And so, tinker was not the word he used, but he wanted to change it in some ways. Mike, there's been some criticism that he didn't quite uh, agree to go further. Oh, absolutely. And the challenge, of course, uh, for Governor Kemp, I agree with uh, uh, Representative Mary Margaret Oliver, but the cap and uh, Georgia voters uh, demanding and expecting some fundamental change in the direction that the state is going, uh, whether it's uh, with criminal justice, uh, education, economic development, uh, our state and the people who live here, uh, and many of them are in pain and in crisis. And I just don't think it's going to be uh, he'll be able with one speech to address what voters are really seeing. The voters have spoken, and they are seeking a new direction uh, for the state of Georgia, especially on the state level, and particularly around those bread and butter, kitchen table issues, and where so many Georgians are either out of work, uh, they've lost income, or now they have no income, and they're expecting the state of Georgia and our state leaders to address those issues and uh, quite frankly, it's going to take more action than it does words in order to, uh, I think, uh, appease, not just appease, but respond in a positive way. So so that said, Mike, um, I don't I think I don't think anyone expects that one speech will will uh, uh, cover all the ground. But Sam Olin's this was hitting a reset button. He avoided talking about the most conservative issues that have driven his agenda uh, up until uh, now, uh, the, the, the bill that virtually, the law that virtually outlaws abortion uh, as the strongest example of that, and, and did seem to, to be signaling that he gets that if he's going to face a possible election against Stacey Abrams, he is going to have to find somewhat, going to have to move a little bit more to the middle. Do you think that's a fair characterization? So uh, I would go about it a different way, Bill. Uh, I think the governor has grown uh, during this experience. You know, when times are tough, you either fail or you grow as an individual to do the best for your citizenry. And irrespective of Donald Trump, I think the governor's frankly uh, taken a, a leadership position and sought to widen the tent for several months now, not just starting yesterday. Um, Unfortunately, I think some partisan comments were made um, where they really ought to give the governor more of an opportunity to prove himself. Um, I think uh, also when we talk about citizens arrest, it isn't such a simple concept. We, We on this call may all agree that a change is needed but you need to word it in such a way that does not stop a retail store from holding someone that is accused of shoplifting. And and hopefully that change will be within the the confines of the draft proposal, but it's it's not just, we want to get rid of the law. The words actually matter. Third, it's clear that the majority of citizens in our state dislike Donald Trump. I'm not so sure it's a grand statement about the Republican Party. 
I think it was much more a grand statement against our president. I use the word intentionally repeal on citizens' arrest. I've been using that intentionally since yesterday, although that was not the word the governor used. And the reason I did that is that the the uh, concept that we worked on last year was to repeal the statute and then make a small adjustment on the um, Walgreens part of uh, of theft in the store. I think that's the way to do it. I think a repeal of citizens' arrest is the form of this bipartisan agreement that I'm going to support. The governor, I think, obviously is in the ditch in several different ways. Um, his The test for him in the next six months has to be the budget and the pandemic. And as he moves uh, through that, he, he's going to find whether or not he uh, can in any way mount a successful campaign um, for next year. It's a pretty fascinating set of challenges he has. The weakest part of his district, the weakest part of the speech um, came when he started talking about health care, which again is the my, my view, the central failure of his leadership in terms of how we fund Medicaid. He's talking about $76 million of state money on Medicaid expansion, which, of course, is, in my view, a little bit crazy when we're turning down a billions of dollars in federal aid. Only 12 states left have not done the real Medicaid expansion, and Georgia's one of them. Um, yeah, look, I, I agree with Mary Margaret. I, I think uh, uh, Governor Kemp is in a in a peculiar situation. He's he's definitely going to get a, a challenger. I think I think that's pr- pretty sure in a in a primary. Uh, but I think it, the he's fortunate in that in that that's still eighteen months away, and something happened on January fifth that really I think changes the entire dynamic, and and that is the election of of Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff to the Senate, giving this giving Senate Democrats a state uh, a, a a controlling majority of that chamber. What that means is. That now that we have Donald Trump impeached for a second time, this time we're going to have a very real impeachment trial with facts and witnesses brought out. It also means that we're going to have a very real and public examination of what went wrong at the Capitol on January 6th. And and that is going that's I, I think that is going to turn that that is going to 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 quiet uh your most ardent trump supporters you're all, already seeing a drop in 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 the current president's uh, approval standing and i think that redounds to the benefit of of brian kemp in may 2022 so jim i thought sam olin said something that i thought was uh interesting uh, it talked about the fact he said that uh, uh governor kemp has learned on the job that it's helped him uh moderate in some ways his uh opinions his positions I, Jim, is it is is he on the path that uh, Nathan Deal took? Nathan Deal came into office uh, uh, as a very conservative Republican governor, and by the end of his tenure, uh, really moved in a in a direction toward uh, moderation. Do, do you see? I Brian Kemp doesn't strike me as being quite as having quite the same makeup to go that way <laughs> no 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 and, and you do have to remember that that Nathan deal is a former was a former Democrat uh, Brian Kemp is the first yeah. uh, uh, governor of Georgia who is uh, who is Republican from birth uh but I do think I, I do think you're going to see the rough edges on Brian Kemp disappear you're not going to see governor shotgun uh in in the 22 campaign okay Mike well, the challenge I think the governor has, uh, and there are many polls, and I don't put too much stock in any of them, but right now of Republican voters, only 8% believe that Donald Trump should be impeached. And so you're running up against that reality, whereas the base Republican vote, although it may be surprising to Democrats and others, Republicans, by and large, still support Donald Trump. I mean, there's been some change. But the base core vote that ultimately determines primaries, whether it's Democrat or Republican, are still more or less aligned with Trump. And I don't know that that changes uh, anytime uh, in the near future. 
Well, we, have, we will be watching how the session unfolds, especially in terms of how Governor uh, Kemp positions himself, maneuvers through uh, the weeks ahead. I want to talk about a couple aspects of that, Mary Margaret. Uh, he did not, in his speech, talk about the proposals that are going to come forward. I don't know what's been filed and what hasn't. You'll probably be able to tell me, Mary Margaret. But clearly there are Republicans who want to scale back absentee voting, mail-in voting, uh, and even Brad Raffensperger, who <laughs> became a hero across the country for saying there was no fraud in Georgia's election and the absentee ballots, now wants to uh, uh, eliminate at-will mail-in balloting. Uh, the governor told the AJC that he's sympathetic, he's listening, but he certainly didn't put it front and center in his speech. Where is that headed? On the floor of the House, our discussions are that the main battle for 2021 is about this election, uh, quote-unquote, integrity that David Ralston is referring to. Jeff Duncan has staked out, um, repeat, the Senate has staked out, uh, do away with absent, no excuse absentee ballot, something enormously popular with Georgians. Uh, the Speaker has gone to talk about ID for absentee ballots similar to the way you have an ID for in-person voting. Those are fairly two, those are two different tracks, fairly significantly different tracks. Um, but both are going to be political firestorms. There, this special election committee, I've been trying to find out who's going to be chair of it. And I've asked directly a couple of them, and they both they give me non-denial denials as to whether or not they're going to chair it. Uh, the joke is, oh, I'm, I'm campaigning not to be on the committee. It's going to be a terrible set of discussions. Uh, Calvin Smyre, last Friday on your program, set forth my view in a much more articulate way than I could ever do. That we're not going back. People of Georgia like absentee ballot. They like early voting. We're not going back. No evidence of fraud. People like it. You don't take rights away from people from things they like and the things that work. Sam? So so I've stated on this show numerous times that efforts should constantly be made to have voting easier, not more difficult. Um, I think that uh, a thorough review of all election laws is always appropriate. Candidly, I think we still have numerous issues uh, because the Secretary of State candidly doesn't have as much authority as the public thinks he does, since so much of it rests at the county level. And we know that uh, some counties do it well and some counties don't do it well. So I, I don't have any concern about a thorough review of all the state's laws, but I continue to believe that uh, the more accessible, the better voting is for everyone in our country. Uh, with regard to one thing Mike said, I certainly agree with him that the majority of the Republican Party still supports our president. Um, as, as you know, I'm not in that number. Um, not, not close to being in that number. Uh, but if, in fact, and, and I don't mean this as any kind of snarky comment, but if, in fact, the Lynn Woods and the Vernon Jones are going to seek to be involved or be candidates in statewide Republican elections in 2022. Oh my God. Oh I my mean, God. That, 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 that is not a good thing for our state. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Vernon Jones is specifically a former legislator from DeKalb County uh, became a Republican and one of the Trump, uh, Trump campaign's most ardent spokespeople uh, as an African-American. Uh, and uh, I've been getting all sorts of questions from listeners who want to know if he's going to run for office in 2022. We'll be watching uh, that pretty carefully. Mike, Mike Thurman, so if, if, if the Senate supports no, uh, an elimination of no excuse uh, uh, balloting, which uh, absentee balloting, which the Speaker has said he does not support, uh, but instead, as Mary Margaret points out, there's an effort to uh, add some sort of ID requirement for absentee voting, an, a, a, a driver's license, some other state ID. One of the pushbacks on that from some Democrats is, look, that means that an, an, an 
any number of people who don't have access to copying machines um, are not going to be able to vote by mail. And it's just putting another barrier in place. It may sound more benign, but in fact, there are those who think it is just as much an effort to suppress the vote. Mike? Well, absolutely. And it's coming on the heels of uh, President-elect Biden as well as uh, Warnock and Ossoff winning statewide as Democrats. You know, people are, are not naive as to what's, general, uh, what's fueling this effort to change the voting rules. And it's going to backfire. I'm telling you, I saw it happen in the 90s when I was there as a Democrat, when Democrats started uh, trying to manipulate the uh, voting procedures and so forth. It's just going to backfire. It's not going to work. It's a horrible idea. That's why Speaker Ralston and the governor are basically trying to keep an arm's length away from this idea. And it's probably the worst idea, worst political strategy that can be imagined right now because people can see right through it. It has nothing to do with election integrity or protecting the vote. It's about how we can maintain power and keep Republicans in office when there seems to be clearly a growing number of Georgians who want to move in another direction. Um, I, I would, I would add, uh, Michael, I would add uh, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan to, to your list of people who are, are wary of it. Uh, uh, despite the fact that several senators in his uh, uh, in in his chamber are are kind of f- full bore uh, proponents of of restrict, restricting uh, absentee uh, voting, look, this is the, the 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 you're right. The the trap that Republicans I think are afraid of is has been it was was set several years ago by Stacey Abrams. Uh, and and you you'll recall back in oh it was it was uh, maybe the, the fall of ni- twenty nineteen she was getting some criticism because she was not jumping into the U S Senate race to replace Johnny Isaacson and and the basic reason her basic reason was because she knew that with every gain democratic democrats made there was a push in voting in in in, in georgia voting law that sought to sought to 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 uh let's say uh reduce the the dilution of republican votes and and she is she is well money she has become she has become kind of the 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 replacement for 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 section 5 of the justice department uh, of this of of the Voting Rights Act, and she's well moneyed, and I, and I I believe that 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 if if Republicans go hard on restricting voting, uh, you're right, uh, Michael. I think it's 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 going to come back to bite them. Yeah, I was. Um, oh, Mary Margaret, go ahead. Well, it's what I call the Kinkos provision. I mean, if you're going to be required to get in your car and go to Kinkos to make a copy of your driver's license, that's going to irritate a million people. There's going to be a pushback for that, and the Republicans have to know that. Um, I've got to get to a break, uh, but Mary Margaret, right before I do, you just got a great shout out in an email that was sent to me from a listener, Dan McFarlane. He says he got his vaccine Tuesday morning, referring to our conversation with Mike Thurman at the very top of the show. He got it at Stonecrest, and he wanted to let you know that he learned where to go from your Facebook page, Mary Margaret Oliver. And he says, since she's on your show today, please give her my thanks. You did a good deed for dad, Mary Margaret. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. Welcome back to uh, Political Rewind. We've got um, Michael Thurman, Sam Olins, Mary Margaret Oliver, and short-timer, at the AJC, at least, Jim Galloway, who finishes his career today. By the way, um, in terms of that, you should know that our show, Georgia Today, at 6.30 tonight, is airing a a show uh, that's a conversation with you, Galloway, about your long career at the AJC. I was hoping we'd get to do that on Political Rewind, but Georgia Today beat—I can't believe I got scooped by— 
a newer show on getting that, but at 6.30 tonight, you'll be talking about your career, and I'm excited about that, Jim. I, I might have to listen to it. I forgot what I said. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, let's keep talking about the uh, agenda that the governor's uh, set for uh, the Capitol uh, at the legislative session. Mary Margaret, let me start with you because you uh, had some uh, comments about the budget. The governor did, in unveiling his budget yesterday, talk about putting more money back into the schools. Um, his effort to continue giving teachers raises was a victim of COVID-19, uh, but he did say he is going to take uh, money from the CARES Act, the Federal CARES Act, to give at least one-time bonuses of $1,000 for teachers and school staffs. He also was going to restore a good deal of the money that came out of the budget for schools uh, because, again, of the COVID economy. Your concern, though, is about what he's doing in terms of health care spending. Talk about that. We cut $2 billion out of the budget in June, and uh, we cut $950, $960 million out of education, and 30,000 children did not show up for school in September under our weird, uh, unusual, cannot be, repli- cannot be understood year in terms of school from home, school from the computer. That's an enormous step back that uh, we have to be honest about and have to address. Mike Thurman probably knows more about this than I do. My job as a budget person next week is to figure out how much CARES Act is in what pile of money already in Georgia and what CARES Act is coming in the next few months. The deal on the stimulus package that was reached by Republicans and Democrats kind of middle-of-the-road senators in Washington that Trump eventually signed um, was based on a premise that came from President, President-elect Biden's participation early in those negotiations that we need a bridge, that the uh, vote that was taken to continue uh, some COVID relief was a bridge and that he was coming immediately back with uh, the real stimulus package. And we had a preview yesterday of the real stimulus package. I can't figure out yet, and this is my task, my homework for this weekend, what CARES Act is the governor using in his budget proposals yesterday, and what CARES Act is he counting on coming federal stimulus money that's going to help us fill these holes? We cannot afford educationally in Georgia to continue to take steps back. And the 30,000 children that are missing, too many of those children, too many are children that are already on the fringes that are losing, losing ground this year. It, it doesn't matter to me at my age and my money and my job and all that that I'm losing productivity for the last year. It's not that big a deal for me personally, but it's a huge deal for these children that are already on the edge. Um, Mike, Mary Margaret, of course, uh, uh, mentions you because you did serve at a very difficult time, at a time of crisis for the DeKalb County school system as their uh, superintendent. Um, The CARES money uh, that she's talking about that will give bonuses for teachers is one thing. Now Joe Biden has unveiled his plan for COVID relief, and it includes sending uh, billions of dollars to the states, which the Trump administration rejected. But so talk some of that could go to schools. But talk about where we stand right now from your perspective in terms of the money that was cut out of education budgets and whether the governor is putting enough back to really make a difference. Well, the cut was so deep, it's what Mary Margaret spoke to, and uh, it will take several years to restore what has been lost so that we can fully fund, and we've been talking about that for decades, public education, uh, the funding formula in Georgia. The big issue right now among teachers, and I still have uh, relationships and friendships with teachers that I serve with in DeKalb County and around the state who I know, is they are afraid right now are putting their lives on the line, especially in those districts that are forcing in-person learning. So it's a conundrum. Obviously, Mayor Margaret talked about we need to get kids back in school, particularly those kids who uh, exist on the margins in terms of access uh, to education and being able to progress. What I would do, why don't we move teachers up the line 
in the protocol and make sure they at least get vaccinated. To me, that is the quickest point between A and B of, number one, we need to get the school back open so parents can go back to work and children can get a, a real chance to learn and grow and prosper. The big challenge is COVID-19. Teachers are getting sick. They're being infected. Some, unfortunately, are dying. Let's take this as an opportunity to move teachers up to priority. Right after the 60-plus, 65-plus of senior citizens, obviously, have greater risk. The next group of people need to be vaccinated are our public, uh, our teachers who are working in our schools around the state. That way we can get kids back in school and we can do it without forcing teachers to put their lives on the line in order to accomplish the goal. Sam, I thought, uh, to continue on this theme for a couple minutes, I thought President-elect Biden made a very bold commitment in his speech last night. He said that his goal is to put people back in schools, put children back in school safely within 100 days of his taking office. That's going to be an incredible challenge. Um, I'm curious, please comment on any of what you've just heard and on that. So first of all, I agree with Mike that uh, right after 65, the teachers should all be vaccinated. Uh, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, With regard to Mary Margaret's uh, comments, Uh, While I don't disagree with them, that's a national issue, not a Georgia issue. Uh, Throughout this country, blue states and red states, you have hundreds of thousands of children getting further back who uh, were uh, in most need and less apt to have broadband, less apt to have the computer at home. So I think that's a national crisis, not just a Georgia crisis. Uh, Frankly, I'd like to see... um, the state and her school boards all agree that uh, they're going to all offer summer school because it seems to me throughout the state, we need those children who have um, suffered the most academically to be able to return to school in, you know, live in the classroom. And if you assume that the vaccine program under our next president is effective, There's no reason why all those children should not have the opportunity to be in summer school because we need to help them catch up. Uh, No, I I think, Sam, I think you're exactly right on summer school. Uh, I would disagree with you on the uh, on 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 uh, on the vaccination issue. I think I think teachers and cafeteria workers and 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 school janitors, they ought to be moved to near near the top of the list, uh, right right behind uh, uh, public safety and first responders. Uh, because to, to Michael's point, if you want the economy to move, you've got to, you've got to secure the schools. And right now, uh, Georgia public schools are having a, just a tremendous problem uh, 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 with absent teachers and with substitute teachers. The, the, the substitute teacher crisis in, 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 in public schools is just is just so terrific uh, that you're even if the kids are in schools, they're not getting the instruction that they need. I'm not disagreeing with you, Jim. So, um, all right. So, Mary Margaret, we got to get to a break. Um, I'm glad you took that education conversation uh, and, and went with it. Um, I do want to return to a question about health care. And, and I'll put it these two. You are concerned that the governor's waivers continue to uh, will continue to uh, deny the state Billions of dollars in federal money to expand Medicaid much more broadly, and he seems to be sticking to that regardless of uh, uh, the evidence that it would be helpful if we got the federal money. Yeah, Kemp's waiver program is his biggest mistake, and it's a terrible, terrible mistake at this particular time. He's experimenting with this use of hundreds of millions of dollars for insurance premiums, that has never been tried. Is no real likelihood of success in my my judgment on this. Um, the turning away billions of dollars for the level of healthcare uh, disparity in Georgia, which is so evidenced by the pandemic, is just horrible. It's it is a continuing mistake, and there seems to be a stubbornness about it that is irrational, close to irrational. I mean, the way the, uh, ma- the waiver put in this stuff, this, I don't want to use the bad word, uh, about 
tying the hands of Biden to change it was just horrible. Dumb. Sam, I've got to get to a break, but this is an issue that Republicans have have touted in this state over and over again as being a, a wise move in terms of uh, budgetary thinking, uh, but has been hung around their neck by Democrats forever. This notion of why just not expand Medicaid in the state, Sam. Look, there are so many other parts of health care in the state that are in, in dire need. It's just not that one area. I mean, candidly, look at all the counties without a doctor. Look at all the counties without an emergency room. I, I hesitate to, to make grandiose statements on one part of a plan when our state is so poor in many areas. Okay. Um, I, we are going to have plenty of time to talk about this in the weeks ahead. By the way, I will point out that one aspect of the governor's waivers, uh, the notion that they will block the federal Obamacare website, and uh, instead Georgians will now be diverted to private insurers who will have a variety of plans, is now facing a lawsuit from a national uh, nonprofit uh, uh Healthcare group, which claims that it is an illegal act. We're going to watch that unfold too. We got to get to another break. We'll be back with more in a minute. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Jim Galloway, in addition to the fact that uh, Michael Thurman, Sam Olins, and Mary Margaret Oliver uh, comprise one of the smartest uh, panel groups that we have on this show, aside from the fact that our listeners love to hear from them. We asked them to join us today because they are three people who, during their careers in public service and elective office, have known you forever. And I really wanted to uh, give them an opportunity to uh, to reflect a little bit on having worked with you over the years. Stop grimacing. I'm looking at you on WebEx. You're just going to have to tolerate it. Before I turn to them, uh, you were honored in the uh, Capitol yesterday uh, with a proclamation. Uh, and I want to just play a little bit of what Speaker David Ralston had to say about you. He grasped in a way that few did the constantly evolving place that we call Georgia. His integrity and brutal honesty was, has been reflected in his work. Now, I did not always agree with him in or like even some of his reporting. Does that surprise you? But in a free society, that is to be expected. And that's the way it should be. Jim, Amelia Brock singled out that soundbite because it not only says something about how he's felt about you over the years, but it's also a tribute to his belief in journalism at a time when journalism has been more under attack than ever before. Um, I, it must have been humbling but flattering to have been paid these tributes yesterday at the Capitol, Jim. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I, I've got to say I was snookered by the speaker. Uh, I was asked just to come down for a conversation, and the next thing I know, I'm I'm in front of the uh, in front of Mary Margaret and uh, everyone else. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, that was it was uh, it was it was quite an event. Uh, Mary Margaret, why do I start with you, and then I want to go around and give everybody a chance to uh, comment just a little on having worked with Galloway for all these years, and again. Galloway's not leaving Political Rewind. He's still going to be a major player on this show, even in retirement. Mary Margaret? Well, I am very delighted that he's staying with Rewind so I can continue to benefit from his historical knowledge. You know, the average length of stay that the member of the General Assembly is in the Capitol is less than five years, I think. So the turnover uh, is very high. And the people that aren't there, the decades that we are there, like uh, Bill and I and Mike Thurman, um, can't appreciate the significance of quality journalism that you can trust over a long, long period of time. 
Preston talked to me frequently about they're scared of the press, they're scared of the press. And finding people you trust in the press is key, is absolutely key to making a contribution. Um, Trump's uh, tirades and petulant charges against the press have, have exemplified for me the significance of quality journalism. And we've been very blessed in Georgia to have Jim with us for decades, and we'll continue to have him with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your work. So I would add, um, it's not just quality journalism, it's a quality mind. Uh, he's a really good person. And whether you're in good times or bad times, he will listen to you, he will render advice. He is a straight shooter. He's giving of his time. Uh, you don't see that many uh, members of the press agree to moderate panels all over, noting that he'd really rather be at home with his wife, but he still does it to give everyone the opportunity to constantly learn about our state, constantly learn about our region. So it's not just his, his historical depth it's not just his plain writing ability where I don't need a darn dictionary to figure out what he's trying to tell me. Um, but, well, I mean, that happens, right? It's also that he's honestly a really good person. And he's the same person I knew when I was a district commissioner through attorney general through now. Um, he treats everyone respectfully. He treats everyone the way you want to be treated and that others deserve to be treated. Um, and I think that's, that's very special. And to be able to do it for over four decades is, is candidly um, amazing that he's been able to um, take such deep breaths and to uh, look at the big picture all that time. I mean, let's face it, our state has... It's very, very different now than it was 41 years ago. Um, and, he, and he generally always has a very optimistic view of the future, which I think is so, so important as, as we need to move forward, not only as a state, but as a country. So I think he, he is a treasure. And even if he continues to be on Rewind, uh, we're still going to really miss him uh, in the paper um, and I think it's, it's a loss for us, but it's a gain for his wife and his family, and it's much deserved. Thank you, Jim. Mike Thurman, I suspect that you first got to know Jim, and maybe I'm wrong about this, when you were a freshman legislator all those years ago from Athens, Georgia. What year was that, and what do you recall over the years of dealing with Galloway? Uh, it was January 1987 when... Mary Margaret, myself, and Ken Poston were crowned to be the new good old boys. But let me tell you, Jim Galloway, the thing was, as a freshman, uh, a young legislator, the day he called my name, you know, some people, you're honored that they know your name. Yeah. And the first time he ever acknowledged me really was a sign to me that I was part of something or uh, institution of great significance in this state. Uh, I'm one of the people who still is a subscriber of the dead tree version of the paper, but the reason I am is I want to see and read his column, not electronically, but I want the physical act of being able to read the column. Uh, the man speaks and writes with poetry. He's a, his, his writing is, is, is poetic. And you all know, if you ask me who I am, I'd say I'm a writer, not a politician. This man is, has one of the most amazing, brilliant skill sets of anyone in the industry today and how he can put words and use words and how he can convey sometimes complex issues that occur under the gold dome in American politics in a way, as Sam said, that people can understand it. So, Jim, I'm just honored to know you. You are a Georgia treasure. Uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of knowing uh, Bia Ship and Jim Galloway. Those two, if we, if there's a, a mountain on the other side of Stone Mountain, if you ever <laughs> have carvings of journalists, uh, it's my desire to have Bia Ship and 
Jim Galloway <laughs> carved in stone on the other side of Stone Mountain. <laughs> oh, I can already see the protests developing around that mountain, Galloway. <laughs> it kind of even uh, things out. That's a way to kind of even things out. Now we'll put Galloway on the other side. All right. Yeah, no. that's right, Jim. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, well, well, first of all, uh, uh, Michael, we will get that bell tower on top of Stone Mountain yet. Uh, yeah, high water. Uh, okay, all right. Can I have a say here? Of all right, course. First of all, Sam, uh, Mary, Margaret, thank you very much. Michael, thank you very much. Uh, Bill, thank you very much. I just, uh, I just, I, I do want to tell one story. Just one story. I, I, my, my newspaper career has been kind of spanned the golden age of newspapers when we actually made money and we could, we could send people to faraway places and 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 write stories uh, from 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 Moscow and Jerusalem. Uh, I went. Uh, I was in Beijing in uh, May and June of 1989 uh, during the Tiananmen Square uprising. Uh, it was it was it was a rather uh, rather tense time, and you know you you ended up watching seeing bodies uh, kind of piled up like cordwood. Uh, 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 I've never been shot out shot at by the People's Liberation Army before. Uh, that was an interesting experience. Uh, but uh, so I, I uh, our our bid to open a, a bureau there just kind of fell flat with that. And uh, I headed home oh, a few weeks after that. It was it was a long trip, and I'm flying in finally fi- flying into Hartsfield. I uh, get up the escalators, and the first face I see, the first face of somebody I see, is in the baggage department in the the the, the baggage uh, section. Uh, it's not my wife. It's not my kids. It's Bill Nigut. <laughs> and 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 I don't know why you were there. I suppose it was a heart. Uh, you were doing a Hartsfield story for WSB, but you were the first American face that I knew that I saw after that experience, and I still remember that. I love that, Jim. So, Jim, um, I was very for. I was really felt a privilege that I was allowed to uh, pres- be part of your goodbye party yesterday to have a video. Uh, at the AJC, and I, I just say to our listeners what what some of what I said in that. Mike Thurman is right. Among everything else, you are a gorgeous writer, a gorgeous writer, and and I have always uh, taken such delight in reading the way you work with words. But you also have this extraordinary grasp on the history of this state. And beyond that, have a way of connecting things that most of us don't even think belong together, different aspects of our political life. Um, you've been so crucial to political rewind from the very start. When, I, when Taya Ryan asked me to begin this show, I said, that's fine, but the first person that has to be a part of it is Jim Galloway, and you have been throughout all of that. So I'm glad you're continuing here. I'm sure people will look forward to reading your final AJC column when it's posted online and uh, when it appears in the Sunday paper. And I will see you right back here again for Political Rewind Soon. Sam Olins, Michael Thurman, Mary Margaret Oliver Galloway, thank you. We're completely out of time. See you again next week. We're taking Monday off for the King Holiday. See you on Tuesday. Take care. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. See you all next week.